Welcome to the Tech Bytes podcast from the Packet Pushers. You know, for many organizations, it's now incumbent on IT to provide a seamless, secure experience for end users, whether they're working from home, in the office, or wherever. We're sponsored today by Zscaler. Our guest is Nathan Howe. He is head of transformation strategy at Zscaler. We're going to talk about how to deliver a safe and performant remote access experience. So Nathan, welcome to the podcast. And it's clear the imperative for the foreseeable future is that organizations are going to have to support some hybrid of remote and office access for employees. What does that entail? Well, thanks for having me, guys. And I appreciate the time. Um, I think the question is interesting because if you look at the idea of providing hybrid access and hybrid location, it's probably going to be necessary on the location. You're going to need to have an office building, probably, but you're also going to have people working from home. And ideally, you don't want to have them, in a best case scenario, switching between access mechanisms. So the end goal would be to have, sure, an office that people can access things from, but you don't want to have them using one solution when accessing applications in the office and then one when they go somewhere else. So the goal is to have one service, one solution that does that to make it easier, not just in this hybrid world, but wherever we end up in the future as things come out of this pandemic and the next thing that hits us. I think having the same access is also about security. You want to have one security profile for each user. And if you're using the same network access mechanism, whether you're on the campus, off the campus, at grandma's house, at a coffee shop, then you absolutely have the same security profile attached to each one. That's got to be a key deliverable, I think. I think I totally agree with you. I think that's the only way to do it. If you focus on that idea of that security profile for an individual tied to an identity, then that individual security profile for that identity should follow that identity wherever it goes and whatever device it may be going to. And of course, you can vary the security profile by device, but you'd want to be able to standardize it around those one things. So to, to come back to one key point here is the fact that you should have a very simple, very strong identity mechanism. Whatever that may be, there should need to be one trust on identity for everything we're talking about here. So how is Zscaler then delivering all this, this uh, unified access uh, notion, one client, uh, one identity? How do, you, how do you actually deliver that? So the thing is that when we talked about identity already, but we are not an identity company, um, right. we consume identity. And I think it's really important to say that, that in no way would we want to ever replace the trust and mechanisms that a lot of companies build up, whether it be inside an active directory or inside some sort of cloud-focused identity provider. Uh, we want to consume that because the company should be maintaining that. And you know, we could do another podcast on the whole theory of how HR should be managing identity and IT should be consuming that. But that's another talk for another time. <laughs> and IT consumes that and utilizes that. And Zscaler uses that for our policies. And so basically, very simply, your identity says to Zscaler that you are a member of a certain tenant. And we are a multi-tenanted cloud service where we then send that traffic from that user to our service and based upon the policy that the company has defined, we'll then provide a secure application path to whatever the app might be. So be it an internal app, be it an external app, be it YouTube, and you want the user to only consume 10% of your campus bandwidth with YouTube, or whether you want to do a uh, inspection on a Facebook post, or whatever it might be, those functionalities are in play based upon the policy assigned to the individual user. On this show, there's been quite a few people coming on talking around the idea of as software-defined perimeter, zero trust, and all those things. Uh -huh. And whilst they are very much buzzy words, they have a foundation in their truth in that really comes down to the idea of providing granular control of access to the individual user, but doing it in a way that uh, is really disconnecting the user from the destination network, which to come back in the original questions was, how do you do that? You provide that access on campus versus off campus. Well, really, Everything's off campus nowadays. It's just the people might move, but the access is going to be off campus. So you're you're working towards this idea that you know just because I'm plugged into the campus network doesn't change anything. It's just cheap bandwidth. 
because most of the time people will be working from home on a 5G mobile, whether they're on a plane or in a car or in a coffee shop. That's all just access to the cloud. Now, so I guess the question here, is there a client element here? Do I have to install a client on the edge devices to make this happen? And where does the traffic go as it traverses the public network? So we have this security service, this global security service that's been around for 12, 13 years now. How do you get traffic from the people's devices? And so, yes, there's two ways to do it. There is either traffic forwarding client, a very lightweight client on the device that just sends traffic. There's also the way to actually forward without a client, which is basically using exposed namespacing, like saying send traffic to this domain and then we'll front it with uh, our infrastructure instead of you fronting it with your infrastructure. Hmm. But the client, I think that's probably the key one to talk about. That's where most of our enterprises and our customers work is they put this client on the device, forward their internet and their private traffic to us. And the big difference between our platform and others that you might come across is we're not doing a network connection. So many of these clients will establish a local network, like a local interface that then creates a VPN-like tunnel for the entirety of the device for all traffic. And you may split out some things with some split tunneling for different services. But with our platform at Zscaler, we're actually doing things with forwarding traffic um, on a per app, per user basis. So each application has its own unique tunnel, has its own unique path hmm. that is being decided based upon what the user is trying to access. So it's not a static tunnel. It's an individual dynamic tunnel with its own individual trust and its own individual path. Does that put a lot of burden on the client then to be managing all of these essentially multiple tunnels consistently? I'd like to put it as a comparison. Think about it in terms of how many tabs you have open on Chrome. <laughs> Each one of them probably has a TLS session in it, right? right. And that's what we're doing is forwarding via TLS. Uh, depending on the service, maybe even DTLS. The idea is very simple. Um, the, we forward with a pretty lightweight industry standard forwarding mechanism. And so it's no different from a consumption of CPU than would be any other client that's forwarding to an edge. Um, except that we're doing it obviously a per session and we don't have to hold that session open for the entirety of the device. We're just creating sessions for each individual. Moving some of this data through your own cloud can be quicker than moving it through the internet in the sense that, as I understand it, the Zscaler cloud can choose to do some optimization, may have optimal paths across the internet. And then, of course, I get the ability of, because you're inspecting all the traffic, I get to log it, know what people are doing review the work that's being done or not done in case that's important to the business in some way. Yeah, exactly. I think, well, if you look at the, the any real security solution today, you need to be able to have visibility in order to make the right decisions about the policy you want to enforce now and the policy you want to enforce in the future. Um, you just can't have a, a standardized policy for everybody. Um, and one of the things that we tend to see with our customers is that when we ask the question, okay, let's build this model for you. Let's build this secure application access path for you. The question that always comes up is what applications are you going to be using? I mean, of course, there's definitely a definition around some very generic ones like Microsoft Office 365 yeah. or some Google apps or whatever else. Printing but, and yeah. Exactly. But then there's also, then do you know the entirety of your internal network, uh, your internal data center application space? And the answer is generally, well, we did, we had an inventory, but that's old now. It's usually, we know about the ones that break because they're the ones the help desk has to fix, but we don't know about the ones that work. Exactly. And that's when they get them in the inventory as, oh, we have, now we have a new one for the inventory because it broke. We didn't know it was there before. So what tends to be the case, I'll give you a, a fun example, is that with a very large uh, multinational rolled out uh, our solution earlier this year, when they decided to go all in for everything from Zscaler, we found that in the first day of utilization of their, let's say, quarter million user base, they had accessed in parallel a day, over a million application sessions. And when we sat back and went with them, okay, now what are all these applications? What are you trying to access? What are your users trying to access? They had no idea. And, and to your point, they were there was lots of printers and like lots of people trying to access printers that were inside a data center or inside a branch office 
but everybody's working from home. So that printer traffic is superfluous. What's the point of it? It's just that a lot of these applications have been pre-configured on a desktop that had been meant to work in an office building. And all of a sudden it was now stuck in someone's home office and it's a different way of working. So that consideration of what the applications are, but what the access mechanism is as well, is really important when going down this path. Now, you also mentioned there's an ability to forward to Zscaler without a client. Can you talk a little bit about that? So we do this really thing called, called browser access because everyone's using browsers. But the whole idea of using a browser is that it can be work on any device that has a relatively new, I say relatively, say the last five years, five-year-old version of a browser, uh, where we actually do the, um, when a user requests one of their applications, rather than that being hidden within one of our services. So with the client, all the traffic that is going to the destinations uh, in private applications is hidden inside our tunneling. So there's no need to expose a domain name to the open internet to find that application. Mm. But if you're using browser access, you need to have a way to get users from their device without the client to that edge. And what we do is we actually very simply expose a domain name uh, on behalf of the customer. And so it could be like server.company.com. And then rather than that going to an internal IP space or a data center edge or a cloud edge, we actually redirect that traffic to us by a simple C name. It gets to our policy engine. Our policy engine says, great, you've reached the front door. Now you need to authenticate yourself against the customer's identity provider. Right. And that's easy to do in a web browser because the protocol supports it. Exactly. The browser understands it. You don't have to install a client. You can actually be going just almost immediately. Yeah. And of course, you are hampered by a couple of things. One is it's got to be within a web browser. So something has to be able to communication. The application needs to function within HTML, HTML5 to be functional. So yeah, web browser is good. But you can do a lot of cool things. Like Guacamole from Apache is a great service that you can use for RDP, VNC, SSH, all in a HTML5 rewrite. So that makes it really simple and easy to be able to do remote desktop and those sort of things. A really cool tool to be able to roll out in the enterprise space. We've got a few customers have actually gone down that path and built that out as part of their zero trust mechanism uh, that when they deploy Zscaler, they use the Guacamole service to therefore make sure that the end user consuming the service is never actually connecting to the destination application. They're going through multiple layers of that kind of segmentation on the path. So, you know, when you deploy a VDI, you can either run a thick client or a thin client solution. And the thick client is when you install an app onto your local computer and it fires up and speaks some sort of VDI protocol back to the core. But another way is to just run it in a web browser and, as you say, present it as HTML5. And that sometimes you want both. Sometimes you might want to run the thick client because you're at home on a computer, you want the full screen, you want the speed. But maybe if you're on a web browser working in a coffee shop and you only want to just check something quickly, just getting that HTML up. Exactly. And that's the, the, the beauty of what we've done is by providing that functionality, whether it be with the Zscaler Client Connector, which is the software you run on your device, or whether you do it through a browser access, you have that option to choose depending on what the destination application is and what that source device the user is connecting from, whether it be their iPad or whether it be their their fat client Windows box that the company's provided them. Either way, you can define that for that use case. So when the pandemic crisis started, a lot of organizations went into crisis mode, setting up remote access strategies for their workers who all went home. Now we're obviously moving to, it's this is pretty much normal. We need a stable model for remote hybrid access. Do you have advice on how to move from sort of what you threw up in the crisis to something you can make more stable and repeatable? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. I think that... Um, a lot of companies have just kind of reacted and, as you say, thrown up whatever's possible in order to sustain the business function. And look, that's that's a legitimate thing. Companies need to be able to operate. And, you know, IT has often been seen as a burden, although I must say over the last six months, I've never seen so many IT people applauded for their efforts. They um, should be. <laughs> 
I, absolutely. Um, and for those of you listening, good job on what you've been able to do so far. I think the biggest thing moving forward into this model and this kind of uh, zero trust and granular security access mechanism, there, there's really two areas that people have to consider to be more specific. Because right now, I'm sure most of this activity has been, okay, just get connectivity working, right. but not really focusing on logs. Let's review the access control. Let's make sure we're the right people getting access to the right apps and not just everybody. I think there's two parts. One is reviewing who the user base. And I think anyone going into this space needs to understand the identity. And we kicked off the conversation around identity, but that is key. The whole thing doesn't work if you can't validate who the person is. And it needs to be a real true identity structure in place. And that identity really should be managed by the customer. And again, to my earlier point on by HR, but the conversation about how to enforce that can be as the customer wishes. It could be single factor, multi-factor, hardware tokens, whatever, but a security service like Zscaler should never actually worry about those things. What we care about is that user, when they are authorized, that they've been authorized by the customer's identity service at whatever level it may be. And we're told as a, as a product provider, that user is trusted by the customer. So we have the identity. So you need to know identity. And I think one of the key things and biggest actions I ask everyone I work with is think about how you can group identities in a way that makes it simple. So it may be even business functions like the HR team versus the security team, whatever. But it needs to be something that allows you to then make decisions about who needs to access what. And that's the second part of the conversation is the applications. Give some consideration to the apps. Is it apps that are going to be sad space? Are they open on the internet for everybody to consume like Google? Or are they going to be services behind closed off VPC? Do you want to isolate this uh, even lower down to it's like one application completely isolated by itself. So there's no ingress path to it. Give some consideration to this and see how you can group them together to simplify your policy, but also be more specific about who gets access to what. That's the easiest place to start, one of those or the other. But then the question that always comes up next is, where do I start? What's the place where I start? Do I start with remote access? Do I start with wherever else? And I'll always say this, you don't always have to do a big bang. We've had lots of customers that did a big bang in February, March, but if you're going to do this, you need to be smart and architect this, not for today, not for the, oh, oh crap, we've got a whole pandemic on our hands. We have to move quickly, but let's architect for what's going to be coming in a couple of years time. Because right now we all have in IT, the impetus on us. We also have the focus on us and probably a bit more budget than we've had in a long time. Yeah. Take advantage of that. So if folks want to find out more about Zscaler, where would you send them? So I think the most important places to go, obviously, would be our, our website, but specifically to our secure remote working book. We wrote an ebook earlier this year based upon the actual outcomes of a lot of our customers. I just mentioned that made some reactions in February, March to, to go and lock down their workforce and give them access remotely when working from home and or working from anywhere, really. So um, we wrote a book about that uh, that outlines the key takeaways, the steps and lessons learned from our customer base but also gives you some stories to understand some of the other uh, challenges they may have. All right. You can find that at zscaler.com slash securing dash remote dash work. We'll also have that link in the show notes. Uh, that does wrap up our time. Thanks, Nathan, for joining us. And thanks to Zscaler for being a sponsor. You can find this and many more fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That's at packetpushers.net. Follow us on Twitter at packetpushers. Find us on LinkedIn and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.